This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. This is the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing great today. I am thrilled to welcome on former Super Bowl winner from the Indianapolis Colts, Gary Brackett. And, of course, he's from the the Tony Dungy, Peyton Manning teams, and he spent nine seasons with the Colts. And just a a really cool story because he was a walk-on at Rutgers, and then he was undrafted at Indy and then spent his whole career in Indy. But but now he's a a businessman and has had failure in business, uh, but has also learned a lot. And, and so has, you know, the, the highs and lows of football and life and, and business. And so he speaks about a lot of that today on the show. Uh, he's written three books. Uh, I've actually got one of them. It's called Winning from Walk-On to Captain in Football and Life. And the foreword is by Tony Dungy. Um, but he actually comes on to uh, talk about his new book, 30 Days to Diversity. And... Just before we jump in, every time you know we have we have guests on, we have guests on, and we we have a lot of diversity on our show in a lot of different ways, perspectives and uh, viewpoints, and and what we try to do is listen and evaluate in our own lives, and so uh, just you know go in with with open open minds and hearts as uh, as we bring on different guests on this show and. Throughout every show that we do, I just always try to remind our listeners that sometimes we say things or we we come across certain ways, whether it's the guest or even me, and it's like, oh, wait, no, that, that wasn't totally what I meant. So we just have to have a lot of grace in that as well. Um, so that's just an ongoing re- reminder as we do the show. Um, and then also, you know, sometimes guests that we have on, I agree 100% with what they say. And then other times I'm like, well, I don't know if I totally agree that or I'd have to unpack that a little bit more on my own to figure out, wait, do I agree with that? What does the Bible say about that? Um, is that hmm, is that a principle that I would buy into? Um, so that's always a fun thing for, for me as, as a host in talking with people from different backgrounds and, and different lessons that they've learned. And we're all at different points in our faith journey as well. And we know this within the Christian community too, we want to continue to look to the Bible and understand the Bible and understand what God is telling us 
And, and oftentimes there are disagreements. Um, and so how do we handle even disagreements within the church, disagreements within our family? You know, sometimes there are theological debates. And then, of course, we have the political debates and society and culture and, and all of these things we're always talking about. So anyway, I, I just say all that. So we get into some of that with, with Gary, which is great because he's talking about diversity and, and understanding different perspectives. And, and so, so some, some cool stuff that, that he shares with us today and gives a really insightful example that I actually haven't heard before, but I, that was one, some, that, that was uh, something that was memorable for me uh, in, in a big way. So, so anyway, I think you're going to enjoy this. You can check out Gary's website, garybracket.com. Uh, stick around at the end of the show. Something that he said was really encouraging to me that, that I want to unpack further. Uh, but a lot of fun with Gary Brackett. Uh, he's a podcast guy himself. So, uh, so fun to be able to, to communicate uh, well and talk with him and, and have a good conversation. So before we jump in, let me thank our presenting sponsor, MediShare. MediShare is an affordable, reliable healthcare option that you can trust. Check out MediShare.com slash unpacking it. And if you want to see my beautiful family, we are on that website. Uh, so, well, my three, three women, my, well, two girls, I have a wife and two daughters. So my daughters are still girls. That's, that's, that's fine. Um, so, uh, but those are the, the, there's a picture of our family on the website. So metashare.com slash unpacking it, but there you can find out information about what MetaShare is all about, what they offer. They have programs for every budget. And the best part for members, cause my family, we are members of MetaShare and have been for for over six years, um, on average, save 50% or more on healthcare costs. So that's, that's pretty sweet. So, uh, so to be able to save money and, and also be a part of a great organization, really cool. So metashare.com slash unpacking it. Well, right now let's jump right in to unpack the story of Gary Brackett. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Unpacking it with Bryce Johnson. And joining us now on the MetaShare guest line is former NFL linebacker Gary Brackett. He won a Super Bowl with the Indianapolis Colts and spent his whole career, nine seasons in Indy. He played college football for Rutgers. He now does business coaching and has a new book called 30 Days to Diversity. He also wrote a book called Championship Grit, Overcoming Obstacles, and he wrote a book called Winning, From Walk-On to Captain in Football and Life. You can check out GaryBracket.com. Gary, so excited to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I want to hear about what you're up to now, but let, let's go back a, a little bit and, and talk about your, your playing career. And, I mean, it's fascinating to think that you were a walk-on in college, you were undrafted into the NFL, yet you won a Super Bowl, you were named a captain, had a long career, longer than most. And, and so when you reflect back on – ultimately what you accomplished and, and how God opened those doors for you. What, what are the, 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 the things that pop out to you the most, the, the memories that, that, that come to mind? I think first uh, perseverance. I mean, you know, there's so many 
obstacles and challenges that come into our lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times the way I look at it, it's, it's really God testing us, seeing how bad we really want it. And, you know, it's easy when we're motivated to do things um, that we like to do, that we want to do. But it's, it's the times when we're not motivated. It's the times that we don't feel like doing things. Like, are you going to continue to do those things? And I think over my career, I was able to really lock in, um, depend more on discipline, depend more on my faith. And, and just going out there, you know, controlling what I could control and knowing that, you know, at the end of the day, it was all in God's plan. Amen. Absolutely. And, and of course, a part of the journey was playing for Tony Dungy and, and you were there during the, the glory days of, of the Colts. And, and I was a, a fan of, of those teams in, in a big way. And, and so I, I imagine everyone that played for those teams, Tony Dungy had an impact on them, but for you personally, how, what was the impact from a, a faith standpoint and, and for you as a, as a man, man, to be, you know, almost at the height, of a sport, right? And, and how big NFL is. I mean, for a number of years, you know, we were always the front runners to win a Super Bowl. Mm. Um, so with that national spotlight, but still how he led um, with humbleness. So how, how he led as a servant was just always amazing to me. And mm. it just always made me think, you know, no matter what ladders that we put on, that man puts us on, right? We're still here to serve. And mm. I think watching him go about his work every single day, you know, not skipping a beat, uh, not thinking because, you know, we're 12 and 0, 13 and 0, um, that, that we've like all of a sudden have, have arrived. No, we, we did the same amount of work. We, we went through the process and it was the process that we just fell in love with. And it was like, you know, just being um, consistent with doing the right things. And that, that was what I really learned from Coach Dungeon, just see that consistency. And that's really what's really important when you want to lead a great life and just being able to be consistent consistent absolutely so as a as a captain and a leader of those teams what what was your leadership style as a player and then ultimately we'll talk about your business career as well but but how did some of those leadership qualities uh that you realized as a player end up translating later in life it's funny one um story um it was like my second year and um we had a guy who was leading drills and linebacker group and he was going slow, his, his, his you know, short pads weren't buckled. And that's kind of what you did as a veteran, you know, just got kind of got warmed up. But um, David Thornton, um, one of my best friends, he said, hey, we're not doing it this way. So he said, hey, I'm, I'm starting drills, like on time is early, 15 minutes early. When the clock starts, we're starting. And he had this model that speed of the leader determines the rate of the pack. Hmm. And um, I've always loved that because there's one thing to tell everyone, everyone else around you, hey, we got to run to the football. Hey, we got to pay attention. Hey, we got to do the little things. And it's much more important, it's much more impactful to say, follow me. Because when they're following you and they showing you doing all the things that you're that other people would just tell them, they're seeing like, hey, this this is a guy who's practicing what he preaches. So in terms of like having people want to run through, through a wall for you, they always would because they know I'm just not saying this because it's good practice. Like I, this is what I actually do. And I think, you know, th- that the same way I'll kind of lead now in my business career, it was like, Hey, th- these are the things that we have to do. And, you know, you got to do the things that you sometimes hate, like you love to do them. And I think that's what kind of separates the winners from everyone else. Um, that people that no matter how they feel, they still show up and get the things done. And I think doing that consistently over time, 
really yields uh, a, a tremendous amount of results. No question. Say, say the saying again. Well, uh, the said, speed of the leader determines the rate of the pack. The speed of the leader determines the rate, rate of, the pack. of the pack. Okay, I like that. That's cool. I, I got to write that down and, and think about that some more. So that's a, that's a, that's a really good, uh, good example and, and glad that that's translated for you. Well, we, I do want to talk about your, your business career, but before we mm-hmm. do that, let, let's talk about your, your faith journey. And, and, and I imagine uh, the growth has, has come throughout your, your, your business career at, as well. But take us back to your, your time in the NFL. What was your, your, your faith like then? What, what did you, how, in what ways were you pursuing the Lord then? And, and then kind of catch us up a little bit on some of the pivotal moments in your life when your faith has grown the most most and been tested the most? Yeah, I think I can get started with kind of, you know, what you just ended with, what like got tested the most. My first year in the NFL, 2003, I lost my father that October. Um, heart condition, he was in um, Vietnam, so he's in the war. He suffered from PTSD and some other things. Um, so then that February, I come home. And, you know, I was going to go buy my mother a house, right? Because as a boy, you make it to the NFL, you buy my house, right? That's kind of one of the things you thought of. And that February, uh, she went in for a routine surgery. Uh, and unfortunately, she had a stroke and died at the uh, recovery table. Um, that same February, my brother was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I was able to give him a bone marrow transplant. But unfortunately, he passed that next February. So in an 18-month span, I lost my father, my mother, and also my brother. Oh. So to say devastated, um, man, I was, it was just one of those things where um, I'm 23 years old and I go from being almost the father of the house to the, you know, to the whole, uh, you know, patriarch of the whole family. And those are times I can remember just, just challenging God, like, why me? Like, well, like what, what, like, what is going on? Like, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to tell me? And it's almost like, Hey, like, like if, if you're not going to be there for me, with me, just say it, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I could just remember being convicted. I uh, went upstairs. My, my parents stayed upstairs. So it was one of those, you know, don't go upstairs to their bathroom, right? That's their bathroom. Um, so I go upstairs and I use the bathroom. And I see this poem on the wall that I, I've never read. I've been in a room. I kind of maybe read it before, but it was The Footprints in the Sand. And then the poem, The Footprints in the Sand, it talked about a man that was going through challenges and he looks back at his life and during the, the darkest times in his, in his moment, he only saw one set of footprints. And all the other times, there's two set of footprints, it's him and the Lord. So he asked the Lord angrily, like, like, where were you at during the roughest time? Like, where were you at when I needed you the most? And that's when the Lord responded, like, my son, um, that's when I carried you. Mm. And like, that never really hit home until that moment when I was just like, and, and for me, really just got deeper into the world, uh, to the word and just understanding that, you know, tomorrow's not promised. Um, be grateful for today, um, but also just be thankful for, for the opportunities that we have, for the chance that we have. You know, a lot of things aren't necessarily are given or guaranteed. Um, so when you're enjoying success, when you're enjoying some, some good thing, just just honoring God, right, while, while how you're being grateful in those opportunities and that really stuck out to me since then. I never had a bad day in my life. Like I have bad moments, right? Some things are unfortunate, they suck, but I'm not gonna let that affect my days because I just know how short this life is. And I think I'm committed to just enjoying, you know, my life and 
despite, you know, the, the tough times, being able to like still laugh, enjoy, praise and thank them, you know, for just being alive. Wow. I mean, that, that's powerful. So, so how do you continue to keep that, that mentality? Because I, I'm encouraged to, to hear that because I sometimes let the, the, the bad days steal my joy and, and I, I can get, get discouraged. So what, what have been some of those kind of strategies or principles that, that you're able to, to keep going? Where yeah, Maybe I have the bad moments, but not, the overall day is filled with thankfulness. Yeah, I think for me now, um, I have three beautiful children um, and we, we co-parent um, me and their mother. But when I have them, I, I just look how they look at me with awe, with like total confidence. Like my littlest one is still small enough where she still runs and jumps into my arms no matter where we're at. And she doesn't know if daddy's elbow tendonitis is flared up, right? She just just believes that like no matter what she does, like daddy is always going to be there to catch her. Mm -hmm. And I look at, you know, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the same. No matter how low we get, how how despair our life looks, like he's always there. And and for me, just understanding like, yo, no, no one promised that like it, there's gonna be an easy road. Mm. No, no one promised that it won't be obstacles, it won't be adversity. They just promised it to be worth it. Mm. And my mentality is just like, man, just 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 stick it out one more time. Just do it one more time and, and see how it goes. And and that has really yelled to some beautiful results just because I didn't give up and it's not easy all the time. Um, but I just have to remind myself of even last year when, when in the midst of COVID in the last two years, when you see how many healthy people went to the hospital and unfortunately they never came home and you just understand how precious life is. Mm. And and the fact that I could put my hand on my heart and, and I could feel that thing beating, mm. I'm just like, I got a chance. There's time left on the clock to make something happen. And if there's time left, I'm a competitor, so I like my chances. Amen. Amen. Well, gosh, that's that's inspiring. I appreciate you saying that. And 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 for you, I mean, you're you're you've already shared difficult times, and and I know you, you've continued to to have challenges that that have have popped in into your life. And so uh, I'm curious on the on the business side. I guess ultimately, when you ended your football career. Mm-hmm. What did you think you were going to do? What did you What did you want to do? And then what did you end up doing? And, and we'll we'll talk more about that. Yeah. No. The funny part is, I thought I was going to retire. Right. Just you know, play golf. You know, <laughs> drink some adult beverages on a golf course, enjoy my life, man. Uh, but at the time, I can remember my oldest daughter. Um, you know, my her mom was going to work at the time. You know, double shifts. She's a doctor, and and my daughter looks at me. She's about six, seven years old. She says, "Daddy, what do you want to do when you grow up?" And it was like, what? Like, <laughs> these trophies, like, like this house, like, what are you talking about? Um, but it just really made me think, like, man, they're seeing daddy, like, you know, go to the golf course every day, just like, man, I'm not really inspiring right now, right? Mm. They didn't see my career. So um, it just really made me just want to uh, get involved in business, control my own destiny. Uh, I went back to school and got my MBA from George Washington University. I think uh, education and knowledge is so key. And I think we all have these toolboxes that we were gifted. But so often, um, we, we never tend to recalibrate some of those tools. And we never sharpen the saws. And we never, you know, you know, take the dust off some of those things. So then when we're going to use them, they don't work properly because we haven't, you know, played with them. We, have, we haven't utilized them. We haven't practiced with them. So uh, NBA school did that for me. And um, so now I just feel like I'm a lifelong learner. 
Um, obviously, entrepreneurship uh, is what I got into. Uh, I was a restaurant tour for a number of years, six, seven years. We built a big business. We had 10 stores, seven franchisees, 400 employees. Um, and unfortunately, it was a sports bar. So COVID with all the sports being shut down and, um, you know, all the restrictions and third party delivery, it was it, it didn't make sense to continue. So I folded that and then started this next chapter of my life because I realized because I've been there as an entrepreneur, like what it's like. All right. Entrepreneurship could be like the loneliest game there is. Mm. And if if someone hasn't experienced that or haven't been in, in your shoes, it's hard for them to really relate to you. So now I help small business owners, you know, kind of handle some of their challenges that they face. And really where we got to the end, we were franchising and putting assistance in our, our business and almost removing the, the CEO, the owner from the bottleneck of their business. You know, I look at the most successful companies and that's what they do. Their, their process is dependent, not, not people dependent. So mm. how can you establish those as a small business owners and make sure that, you know, you have a, a consistent, repeatable product um, with great service? Gosh, well, there's a lot to unpack there. And, yeah. and so the, the run that you had as a, a restaurateur, uh, what was that experience like for you? And then you know, what did God teach you through the, the, the challenge of ultimately having to shut it down because of COVID out of your control? Uh, but what were the lessons learned through that? I can remember when I was uh, uh, in college, my junior year, I was a walk-on. I got awarded a scholarship, and um, I was excited. And then I got named captain, um, and I was nervous because I was like, I went from being, you know, about to leave school because I couldn't afford it to getting a scholarship um, to being named a starter to being named captain. And at the time, you know, we had three-star, four-star recruits, all these big-name players. And I can remember my mom being up there, and she was like, hey, babe, what's wrong? Like, you look nervous. I'm like, mom, I, they just, you know, named me captain of the team. And she's like, oh, that's great news. I'm like, well, mom, like, they're bigger than me. They're stronger than me. They're faster than me. Got more prestigious schools, right? It's all the limited beliefs that we that we tell ourselves about, about us and, like, everyone else is great. Um, and she was like, baby, I'm going to take a page out of my book. She was an ordained reverend. And she said, in my book, it says the greatest among us will serve. Mm. So, you know, as as you lead, just keep that front in mind. Like the greatest among us will serve. And so that's what I did. And that's what I really learned in a restaurant business. Like uh, that servant leadership attitude in regards to like giving of yourself. Um, however, what I did learn, and this is valuable, right, is I've learned like the, the second part or almost the first part of that. And the first part of that is like, you can't give what you can't have, mm. right? And so it wasn't now just like the greatest among us will serve. So now my mentality is like fulfillment first and then serve. So how are you filling your own cup? Mm. And for so many of us, we're so busy doing what the world wants us to do, what our family wants us to do, what mom, what our job wants us to do. And we're not, that we don't know who we are. Mm. So for me, it's like, what makes you, what makes you happy? Like, what are those things? And, and for me, at the end of the day, to my core, it just it just it's just learning. It, it's taking care of my body. It's it's you know being around my family. Um, you know, just doing good things, being in the Bible, just just being a, a good steward. And once I do those things and I become full, now when I serve, I'm no longer given the backwash, right? Mm. That vast cup in the cup. Now my cup is overflowing, and I'm giving away the good stuff. Ah. Awesome. So that's what I've kind of learned through that process, man. And I'm so 
thankful that, you know, I, I was humbled and, and given this opportunity to really look at life like, man, it's, you know, I, I measure my success not by my bank account, but by my calendar mm. and by my schedule. And then I could pick my kids up at 2.30 when school's out. That's awesome. Gosh, man, that's really powerful. That, that's impactful to, to me personally. So I, I, I appreciate that illustration of, of the cup and, and that, yeah. the phrase backwash. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the reality. Sometimes we're trying to serve from our backwash. Uh, that's, it's graphic yet true. So I, yeah. I, not that graphic, pretty good. Uh, so, uh, so no, that's, man, that's, that, that's powerful. So, all right. So to transition now to the, the business coaching and, and I'm curious to, to even hear more about some of those, those principles that, that even that you learned as a, a player, then mm-hmm. the, the, the lessons learned through running your own business that, that kind of bubble up the most that you're really helping business owners with? What, what are a few of those that you can share today? Yeah, I think one is, is clarity breeds power. Mm. And a lot of times, you know, I tell people like, you got to start with a clear vision. Like, because if you're on a, you know, journey of a thousand miles, you have to put in that final destination. Mm. And so often you don't see people with that. And I kind of developed a framework around that uh, called the champ framework. And it starts with like, C. you have to understand your current situation. So where, where you currently are in life, right? And you're looking at the, your growth, you're looking at your, your health, you're looking at your finances, your spirituality, um, where, where are you currently at? What does that look like? And and I tell people like, not like if you're you're weight and you're standing up and your stomach is sucked in and your chest is bull- like that's that's fake, right? So I'm just like my dad used to always say, if you lie to yourself, who can you trust? So that's <laughs> true. So just like you're not being honest. So like when you when you're real honest with yourself, when you hit that moment, then that's the starting point because now you know like where you're at and what are some of your challenges. The next thing is like to hone in on the desired destination. I was like, where, where are you going? What, what does that look like? And the more detailed it is, the, the more specific it is, the easier it is going to be for us to achieve it. Because that vision became clear, right? That clarity was going to breathe power. Next up is the A, is to apply the 80-20 principle. And I feel like, you know, this famous uh, Pareto's principle that 20% of our activities actually yield 80% of our results. So what are those 20% of things that, that you and I should be doing because we do it the best? And everything else we have to look at in our lives, we have to either eliminate it, we have to automate it, we have to delegate it. Mm. So then once we have that 20%, then M is we take massive action. Like we know what we should do. We know what drives results. So we have to do more of that, mm. right? It's not an advantage if we don't take advantage of it. So keep doubling down on what you do and what you do best. And then P is like the pursuer pursuit of this championship transformation. Like, I feel like I'm never going to give my best speech. I'm never going to give my, you know, my, write my best book because I'm not the best version of myself yet, but I'm constantly chasing that person. And and if I chase that person and if I meet that person, I feel like I, I've done my job. That's the, the biggest thing is like that clarity is so powerful because so many people lack it. And I think mm-hmm. understanding, and so many people are ashamed to say, no, I, I want to make, I want to make seven figures a year. That's they're ashamed to say it because mm. either they don't believe they can, or they don't think they deserve it. Mm. So wow. like, like breaking down those mental blocks, like one, you can, right. It, it's the signs of achievement, right? So like we could break down numbers and get you there. And two, yes, you deserve it. Mm. 
And and I think once when people start figuring those things out, it's just like, yo, why is everyone else great and everyone else deserving and everyone's got this massive success, but for ourselves, I just take a little piece of the pie. I'm not greedy. Hmm. Like, it's a big pie, <laughs> right? We, we get the and it's an ocean of abundance. There's enough in here for everyone. Hmm. So no, take your big piece of that pie, and everyone else can get their big piece. Gosh, wow. Well, I like the I like the champ acronym. That's uh, that's. Uh... Just a, a strong word and, and, and the way that it represents different things. And, and I'm with you on the clarity because I, I think I've, I've found myself in seasons of life when I've lacked the clarity and it affects it affects everything else. There, there's no question yeah. about it. Well, when when you talk about, uh, you know, helping business leaders and, and of course, a lot of the the judging is based on revenue and success and, and that sort of thing. What have you learned about success and, and money, of course, being an NFL player and, and all that sort of thing from a faith perspective and, and, and becoming a steward and, and, and trusting God even in success and, and money and not letting it become an, an idol? What, what, what can you kind of say about that and encourage our listeners today with that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, and the Bible talks about serving two gods and and I think if we really want to know, like, who we're serving, we just have to look at our our, our bank statements and see where our money is going. Mm. Right. And, you know, there's been times in my life when I'm just like, man, like, am I really serving, you know, these car dealerships? Am I really serving these nightclubs? Am I like, really serving these 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 designer clothes? Mm. Like, is this really what my life is about? Is this what who makes me who I am? And the wow. question is absolutely not. So I think for me now... Um, realizing that um, like money doesn't make the man, the man makes the money. Hmm. And and with or without money, you can still have purpose. Um, you can still have an impact um, and you can still lead a courageous life. And I think so many of us um, are ashamed because we know our skeletons, we know where those where those their bodies are at. We we know where those limitations are at. So you know we're we're kind of like oh, oh, but I, I didn't do it right, or, or I'm not capable of that. And we know those things, but it, it doesn't matter. Like everyone has them, but but the people that are successful, they with, with their expectations, they only see the positive outcomes that occur. And then I'll bug themselves down with the details of what could go wrong and why it could go wrong and who's going to talk about me, how are they going to feel about me, and all the things that we tell ourselves that like keep us stuck. They only think about you know, when it goes right. When I make this type of money, how many people can I impact with it? Mm. You know, how can I give back to the kingdom? How can I be a better leader? How can I be a better steward, better husband, better father? Is it to give me more time to spend with my children? Right. And and they just view it differently. And I think that expectations are just so powerful that I've learned on having money. And 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 just what to do with that money, and not let that money consume you. That's right. Yeah, money's not the problem. It's the perspective that we have on money, and yeah, and, no if, and of course, if we love money more than God, that's the that's the issue. So that's as we have to evaluate it in our own lives, and and yeah, it doesn't even necessarily mean the amount. It's 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 the perspective. So, like you say, yeah, it's one dollar. Is that enough? Is that what you want? Yeah, yeah. You want more money? Okay, cool. Yeah. Like so, it, it just. But then it's like um. It, so for me, it's not making the money that's the most important part. It's who you have to become to make the money. Mm. Because if, if you're at a spot now and your company is doing, 
you know, 500, 800,000 in revenue, you want a three X, four X that, well, guess what? Like, like the speed of the leader determines where to pack. You can't be a five as a leader and have an eight as a company. Mm. So you have to become better as a leader and lead from the front, the speed of the leader in terms of ready to pack. And then when you expect better and when you raise your standards, their standards were right uh, around you were raised. That's right. And, and so many of us allow, you know, for other people kind of set our thermostats. And it's like, you know, thermostat works. Like you go into a room, if it's set at 72, no matter if the door is open, no matter, right, it's always going to regulate that temperature. And in an organization, when you have a leadership role, like I'm setting, I'm setting it like, right. It's going to be on me. It's not going to be on you. It's not going to be on that person with the attitude, right? No, it's going to be on me, my values, right? My purpose, my core competencies, like that's what it's about. My mission, my vision. And, and, and I'm going to communicate that effectively and get buy-in and enlist other people in my goals and my vision. Mm. And I think that's how you can create a powerful team, powerful organization. It's strong. It's strong. I love it. Gosh, very, very encouraging to me today. So I, I appreciate that, Gary. That's, that's excellent. Well, you, you've written two books, and now you've got a third. And, right. and so it's called 30 Days to Diversity. And, yes. uh, yeah, for those watching, can, can take a look at it for sure. Um, what is the biggest change people need to make in how they view diversity? I think the biggest change they need to make, and is this came to me, it's just like when I was in school, I was taught this thing, right? I don't know if you were taught this, but just like there's your version of the truth, there's my version of the truth, and then there's the actual truth, right? Have right. you heard that before? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So so if your version of the truth is my version of the truth, essentially you're you're lying, right? <laughs> So, so our conversations are about like, I'm going to prove to you that you're lying. Mm. But what I realized is that now nah, your version of the truth is actually your truth. Mm. And my version of my truth is actually my truth. And if we were standing right here across from one another and I draw six on the ground in front of us, I'll be looking at a six and you'll be looking at a nine and we'll both be right. We're, it's both true. That's and right. until I'm willing to walk around and look at your nine, and you're willing to walk around and look at my six, we're never going to understand your perspective of how you view what's in front of you. Mm. So when we start having those conversations about, hey, no, look at my side. Like, I, I'm not angry at you because you feel a certain type of way about a certain subject. You, you have every right to feel that way based on your perspective and your values and who you are as a human. But please respect mine and what I do. And, yeah. and, and my conversation with you is not to convince you. It's just to enlighten you on how I got to my my expectations, how I got to my truth. Wow. No, that's good. So with the book, uh, mm-hmm. what what motivated you to, to, to write it? And and when someone's done with it, what what do you hope that that person experiences? Yeah. So um, so during 2020, um, I, I, I do a lot of keynote speeches, a lot of workshops. So I was getting booked a lot. Of course, the hot topic was diversity and inclusion. So yep. I started studying around it, um, getting certified and becoming a, a diversity uh, inclusion Im- implementer. And I just learned the conversation. I saw like how the conversations were going and, and how almost upset people were to engage in this dialogue. And, and there's one thing we talk in a book is diversity fatigue, where people are just tired of talking about this subject. Mm. 
like we, we, we talked about it enough, isn't it? All? No, it's not fixed. We need to continue to have these conversations. So what I wanted to do was just paint a picture of like how, why people think about the things that they think about and the way that they think about them. Mm. and humanize, you know, the conversation on diversity. Um, I, I saw a speech when someone said, Hey, does, can everyone in this room remember a time when they felt left out? Was it third grade and they get picked in a, in a, in a kickball game? Was that your job where you thought you were do this excursion and you didn't? Was it in your family when you felt like, you know, they like, you know, him or her? Like, think of a time you felt left out. And, and everyone could probably think of a time when they felt left out, right? If your listeners are on right now, they could think of a time they feel left out. Now, imagine being like one of these, uh, you know, classes that are underprivileged, right? One of these classifications, either, either you know, sometimes women, minorities, um, you know, gays, bi's, ageism, and, and they're consistently being left out every single day. So imagine that one feeling that you felt like carrying out for weeks, for months, for years. Mm. You won't feel so good. Mm. And I think when people start humanizing, like, oh man, yeah, I remember I sucked. I hated mm-hmm. feeling like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's how I felt when I got put over by the cops and he raised his gun to my window. Wow. Like, it was two o'clock behind Target. Like, you know, so so I think like understanding that and just saying like and, and hearing people on why they feel the way they feel, I think then we could start to become like, wow, like that is a that is a challenge. I could see why that's a problem for you. Mm. And, I, and I just feel like um if, if we're all not free, none of us is free. And and I think we have to constantly, you know, look at how can we help our neighbors understand these concepts, how have these conversations. And I think, you know, the collective in the room and, and everyone working together for common objective, which is, you know, ultimately inclusion, ultimately equity, I, I think is a powerful way to go about it. And I, I, I'm just not about alienating people, you know, based on, you know, whatever your religion is, wherever it is, that you can't join this fight. I think we all need to have this conversation and unite about, you know, what, what's going to make, you know, the majority of us, you know, feel accepted, you know, in our country and in, in our world. Wow. Well, man, I, I respect you for tackling such a challenging topic and, and it is a, a, a hot button one and, and a lot of different opinions and debates around it and, and people people trying to, to understand. I do think people are trying to trying to learn and, and grasp the, the different angles for sure uh, from a, from a faith perspective. And, and so how does that drive your understanding of diversity and, and how is you know, God kind of guiding you through, through this topic and, and, and in what ways has he uh, revealed himself as you, as you studied and wrote for, for this book? Yeah. So a lot of it is just like, I struggled with, all right, you could pick any, you know, profession you want to pick, you could pivot um, why, why would you pick one with, that's so loaded? Why would you pick one that's right? That no matter what you do, people are going to be upset at you because of your position that you God just told me that's exactly why you should pick it. Hmm. Because I believe you have a unique set of perspective, a set of understanding that you're relatable, that, that you've been a walk on, you've been an underdog, you've been there. Then you've, uh, you've also been a Super Bowl captain and carrying a trophy. So I've been, with the lows of lows and the highs of highs. And through those ranges of experiences, I just learned so much. And ultimately what I realized is that at the end of the day, we're all more alike than we are different. But because we're not willing to have these conversations, because sometimes we judge people based on their skin color, based on where they're at, 
we never get to have a conversation on someone that could truly be an ally, that could truly be a friend. But we we assume because there are unconscious biases, we write these people off. And I think, you know, the Bible talks about uniting and we're all being, you know, sons and daughters of Christ. And and I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to unite and show that, you know, there's there's only one race hmm. and that's the human race. Right. And, and, and what are we doing to, you know, um, for the least of these? Amen. Man, that's awesome. Well, cool. Well, Gary, gosh, we could talk all day, but uh, but enjoyed the, the conversation and and appreciate you sharing uh, what you did today and, and very encouraging and inspiring. So thank you. Uh, excited for what you're doing now as a as a business coach and, and encourage people to check out GaryBracket.com and and learn more about what he's up to and the three different books uh, that he's written as well. So uh, so Gary, thank you for being a part of unpacking it today. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. There's Super Bowl winner, former NFL linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, Gary Brackett, joining us here on the MetaShare guest line on the Unpacking It podcast. Sharing the personal side of sports, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. What a story for Gary Brackett, and how about the the optimism, the excitement, the gratitude, despite all that he's been through, and and I appreciate him sharing about that. And it's it's uh, it's a lot to grasp. It really is. So uh, so he's had he's had some tough things happen in his life, but uh, to continue to smile is uh, is awesome. And the the one thing I did want to unpack a little bit more. Um, well, before I do that, the, the, this whole thing about if, if I'm standing over here and I'm looking at the numbers, you know, six and, and you see it as number nine, it's, well, it's, it's true to me. Well, no, that number is six. So, uh, I think that's it. That's an interesting way to, to look at how, how we can view things differently, but, but some things can still be true. Ultimately, I always point to the truth is God. God is true. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. So we always have to, he is the truth. So I, I can't say that, well, it's true to me and it may not be true to you. Well, there is truth in Jesus, but I think a lot of, there are a lot of things in life that it does depend on perspective and things, two things can be true at the same time. That is a, that is a true thing uh, as well. Not everything, not everything. Now, if it conflicts with the Bible, then it can't be, but there are just certain things. If somebody says, Hey, it's raining in Charlotte. No, it's not. It's not raining here. Well, I'm in, I'm in Charlotte. Well, it's not raining where I am. So I don't know. That just popped in my head, but there are things, there are things where we start talking about truth and, and some of the, the, the challenging topics. It gets, uh, it gets a little hairy, but, but I like that, that example that he gave with the six and the nine and, and what is your kind of perspective on that? So there's something, there's something to be said about that. But what I really was encouraged by, is when he was talking about we have to make sure that we are filling up our, our own cup. And and I think at first glance it seems it seems selfish to where, oh, I'm just filling up, I'm filling up my cup. But but I'm seeing this in parenting right now, where we want to serve our young daughters. One's almost three, one's almost a year old. But but my wife gets drained. And she gets very little opportunity to get filled back up. And, and so she's at the end of herself and, and trying to continue to serve. And she wants to serve her two, her two daughters. 
but she has to take a break. She she needs that break. She needs to go get poured into uh, and, and enjoy some fun and, and enjoy things that fill her back up, that replenish her so that she's better as a mom and, and, and a wife. And, and the same is true for me. I, I can get drained with, with unpacking. I love unpacking it, but I also have to get replenished so that I have the passion and the energy to serve sports fans. And, and I hope that, that you as a listener continue to be encouraged and challenged. That's my hope, but I have to make sure that I'm spending time with God, with mentors, with friends, getting poured into learning from other people so that all of that factors in so that then I can teach and encourage and, and, point people to Jesus myself. And, and so Gary was talking about serving and, and I just loved what he said about, are we serving from, you know, the very bottom of the cup, which is the, the backwash. Right. And, and that's, that, that's a good example or good illustration to where we're at the very bottom. We're trying to serve people and it's like, I'm not going to serve them well. So I've got to make sure that I'm sharpening, you know, the tools that I'm, I'm, I'm using, so to speak. And, and sharp, you know, learning, sharpening my mind, uh, sharpening my heart, what, what's going into my heart. Am I, am I pouring in enough, you know, from scripture and, and, and teaching biblical teaching, um, books, all those sort of things, um, the soul, the soul, the heart, all that kind of thing. Are we pouring in and, and who's pouring, you know, who's pouring into us, uh, type of thing. We can get selfish with, oh, it's all about me and I just always want to be, it's all about me doing whatever I want to do. No, no, no. If the goal is ultimately to serve God and serve people, then let's get replenished first and then go out and then the overflowing of, of who we are, we're giving God our best, we're giving other people our best versus always giving them leftovers or backwash. Wow. No, let's let's give let's give our, our first fruits and our, our best efforts and and all of that. But uh, but it requires um, remaining, you know, remaining full of the spirit and and full of, of hope and, and full of uh, passion and energy. And we have to do the things that, that get us to that point rooted in in God, enjoying him and his presence uh, and his word and, and pursuing after him. So, uh, so hopefully that's encouraging. I, I found that that very encouraging uh, myself. So, and I'll, I'll remember that for sure with the backwash. Uh oh, I'm getting to the bottom of the barrel. I'm getting to the bottom of the cup. I got to go get filled up. I got to get filled up before getting back out there. So, uh, so good stuff from Gary Brackett, uh, GaryBrackett.com, and uh, his new book, 30 Days to Diversity. Uh, the book that I uh, I have is called Winning: From Walk On to Captain in Football and Life. We'd love to know your thoughts. You can email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. For more information about the show, our events in Charlotte, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, 
visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.